Boy, Jesus is here. Jesus has risen, and we gather together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can we just thank God for his faithfulness in our lives? God is so good. I'm grateful for his grace. Uh, before you sit down, just hang with me because you're gonna, we're going to read scripture here in a little bit. But I want to say this to start rolling here a little bit. I want you to know that God wants to resurrect your life. God wants to resurrect your life. I see that, that uh, video testimony that I almost shared. And, and the part that he doesn't share is just how God, when he resurrects, he knows how to resurrect. God knows how to breathe life into someone. Uh, for some of you, it's been a long time since you've danced. It's been a long time since you've had a song in your mouth. It's been a long time since you've just hummed around the kitchen or whatever it might be. It's just been a long time since you have felt that deep joy. And God is able to do anything. He wants to resurrect hope and peace and joy and love. And he wants to take out bitterness and resentment and all of that stuff. That's what God does. He breathes life into a bunch of dried up old bones. That's what he does. Almost uh, the other part that you haven't heard about this is shortly after this, almost needed a job and God provided a phenomenal life career kind of job for him after that he shot that video. So God just is so good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, let me, let's read, let's look at scripture today, guys. And, and, and I want to just thank you and say, welcome to Thorn Creek Church. Thank you all for being here. This is a good place to grow closer to God, whether you're uh, close to God or you're on a spiritual journey, this is a good place to seek out truth and seek out who God is. It's a very loving church. Um, Luke chapter 24, here's the story that turned the world upside down. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> this is good news. It gets better, guys. Check it out. <laughs> While they were wondering about this, isn't that interesting? They're wondering what happened. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Say it with me, guys. He is not here. He is risen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We just have the benefit of looking at this hindsight. That's our benefit. We have the benefit of looking back and seeing how the puzzle came together. But uh, they, they're, they're perplexed. And, and, then, and then he says, the, the angel says, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the, what day? On the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and, and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But, say but with me guys, but they did not believe the women. Mm, mm, mm. All the women just go, mm, mm, mm. 
because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Props to the women for going first. Way to go, ladies. Where were the men? Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Well, Lord, open up our spiritual eyes and our ears and soften our heart so we can receive your word. I pray right now for your Holy Spirit to invade every heart and mind. Meet every soul, every person where we're at. You know what's going on. You know the life of every person here, Lord. Nothing is hidden from your eyes. You know the problems and the worries and the concerns. And we just cry out to you. I pray you heal. Some of us need to be a healing touch for our health. And you know who it is. Heal them. I pray you speak to that person, God, who was dragged to church right now. They don't even believe. And I'm so grateful they're here, Lord. And I pray you just open up their eyes. I pray you speak to that person who has fallen to sin and is right now here at church with guilt and shame. Would you show them that your grace is greater? I pray for the people that are watching online right now, God. Would you move in their hearts? Meet them where they're at, whether they're in the kitchen or in their car or their living room or their bedroom, wherever they're at. I pray they sense you speaking to them, Lord, and they sense your love and your grace. Have your way here, Holy Spirit. You, you lead me. You lead me. As always, you know that's been in my prayer this whole week. Thank you for the way you're moving in this church. Thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross for us. And thank you for the empty grave. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray all this. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Turn to someone and say, He has risen, and then you can have a seat. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. This is a good day, guys. This weekend we celebrate the risen Lord. A um, hundred years ago, uh, a poet named James Allen Francis, he wrote a poem called One Solitary Life. And here's his poem. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing. The only property he had on earth. When he was dead, 
He was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. And the leader of mankind's progress, all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliament that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on earth as much as that one solitary life. Wow. Rome, in the first century, Rome, the most powerful empire. It reached as far north as Britain and as far south as Egypt, as far as west as Portugal and as far as east as Turkey. 60 million people in Rome during this time. One quarter of the population of the world lived in Rome. All roads led to Rome. Nazareth, where Jesus spent 30 years of his life working as a carpenter in a tiny village. Population, 400. Three years, three years of traveling with 12 disciples that would abandon him, all of them, at some point. None of them were five-star recruits. None of them were first-round draft picks. None of them. If you were placing bets on Caesar's sports book in the first century, you would have, you know, who would have lasted longer between Rome and Jesus? You would have betted it all on Rome. 2,000 years later, 2 billion people are proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. Wow. How does that happen? Jesus didn't have a YouTube channel, didn't have Instagram social media. How is it that human history was divided between BC and AD by his birth? And here's how. He has risen. He has risen. He has risen. In fact, lots of people died on Roman crosses in the first century. Archaeologists have discovered that in Rome, there was 1,000 crucifixions per year. That means there's more than two every single day. But only one person predicted his suffering, predicted his death, predicted his resurrection, and he pulled it off. He pulled it off. You came to church here. So glad you're here. What are you expecting? I want to ask you that question. What are you expecting? Some of you, you might consider yourself a, a Christian. And, and you, may, you cross that line of faith at some point, and maybe you go to church all the time. Others of you, you might consider yourself a really good person. You try not to steal. You try not to lie. You try to do good things for others. You try to respect other people's property. And maybe you take a little bit of pride in trying to be a good person. Wherever you're at, what are you expecting? Are you expecting to hear a word from God? Or are you just waiting for time to pass? What are you expecting? That morning when those ladies showed up to that tomb, they were not expecting Jesus to have risen. In fact, when you look at other gospels, scripture says that the ladies that were going together, you know what they were talking about? Who's going to move the rock? It's a really big rock. Who's going to move the stone? 
None of us are big enough. I don't know how heavy they were. I'm not going to go there. But they were like, who's going to move the stone? That's where their heads were at. And when they showed up, they showed up to prepare the body of Jesus. Remember, Jesus was taken down hastily by a man named Joseph. Joseph got permission from Pilate to take it and put it in his tomb, a borrowed tomb. So they were, wanted, to give, they wanted to prepare his body for a proper burial because they didn't have enough time last time. So they showed up. And they're not expecting Jesus to have risen from the grave. And then the, the verse says, uh, the angel asks him, why do you look? Let's read that together. Why do you look for the living? Think about that question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? As I thought about that, and I thought, you know what, guys? We can do the same thing. How many times do we chase after happiness or, or pleasure or we chase after joy or we chase after whatever it is, but we look in dead places. We look in places that we shouldn't look at. We say, I want fulfillment, so I'm going to hook up with this person. I want joy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with these people. I want pleasure, I'm going to spend, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy that, and I'm going to, I want to go, I'm going to, they're the ones who are going to give me happiness and joy or whatever it is. And we do that. And we do that. And the angels asked the ladies, why are you looking for the living among the dead. In fact, when they came back and they, they shared this with the men, that he is in here, he's risen. Verse 11, the men just carried on. They said, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Nonsense. I think there's that place. If we can just be honest with ourselves, that's the place within our own minds where we have this filter. And if it doesn't make sense in our minds, if it doesn't add up, then it can't be true. But here's a crazy thought. Maybe, maybe God knows more than you. Maybe God has his ways are greater than your ways. Maybe his thoughts are greater than your thoughts. Maybe God's plan is bigger than your plan. Maybe God's perspective is way bigger than your perspective. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. And so many times we kind of put God in a box and we say, okay, God, if you make sense to me, then it's true. And you're asking God to stoop down to your IQ, to your limited perspective. The disciples heard these ladies and it sounded like nonsense, nonsense. You've been there before? There's no way. It's like, you know, the Broncos going to win the Super Bowl next year. I was like, come on. No. <laughs> I had to throw that in just a little bit. Just, I don't know. The Rockies are undefeated, I think. I, they've only played out one game, I think, so far. Hey, you know what doubt is? Doubt is this. A feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. Have you been there before? All of us have been there before. I remember when we were starting Thorn Creek Church, and uh, during those days, I'd knock around doors and asking people to join the church, and they would ask me really hard questions like, where do you meet? 
And I would say, well, I, we don't meet anywhere right now. <laughs> and they would say, well, we're going to meet. I don't know where we're going to meet. And they were, our first place that we met was at the Fairfield Inn on 120th in Huron. And we were expecting like, I don't know, 20 or 30 people. And, and me and my wonderful bride, Grace, we were, we were expecting all these people. And she brought cookies. And a total of seven people showed up. And I preached this message about faith. But you know what was inside of my heart? Doubt. It's like, I don't know. I thought I knew. Have you been there before? It's like, I thought I knew this was what God wanted to do, but I have, I have doubt. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure about it. It doesn't add up. When you look at faith, Hebrews chapter 11 says it like this, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you want to know God, you've got to go through the door of faith. Eventually, you're going to have to take a step that may not make sense to you. Eventually. And that's, that's the part where you're trusting God. You read his word and you say, I know God is a loving God. I, I, I know God is a faithful God. And I don't understand why stuff has happened in my life. Sometimes things happen in our life where we just wonder, God, are you, are you loving? Why did you let that happen? That doesn't make any sense to me, God. And those moments can affect our relationship with God. But God has a bigger plan. And God will use even tragedy for his glory. He's a good God. And so many times we, we face this, this conundrum of do I, do I take a step of faith or do I not? It's safer not to, right? It's, it's safer to just say, you know what? I will check it out from here. And I want God to meet me here. I want the miracle first, and then I want to take a step after I see the miracle and get credit for my faith. Someone, someone, let me say it like this. Faith is not the absence of doubt. And I think it's important for us to know that. Because it's possible to have doubt in your heart and say, I'm still going to have faith. Here's the difference. It's choosing to lean on God's character and take action even though you still have questions. That's what faith is. Because you can have doubts. And you can say, you know what, God, this, this doesn't make complete sense to, you, to me. But I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to take that, that step. Your faith is challenged when things don't make sense. It's after that diagnosis. It's after that diagnosis. Well, a year ago, you know, I got this, this, this illness called Ramsey Hunt. And it affected my balance and half of my face was paralyzed, my right side. So uh, this time, last year, I was watching Thorn Creek Easter services from my living room. And you know what I was wondering? Why, God? Why? This doesn't make any sense. I felt like I was just rocking and rolling, and I was in a groove, and everything was going well. And then I just got blindsided by this. And I kept praying. On Good Friday, I was praying, Lord, do a miracle for me and heal me overnight. And I remember like running to the, to the mirror and looking at myself and like trying to smile and, like nothing. You know what God showed me during those days? He said, Reuben, I want you to trust me. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. You are a child of God. That was a hard place. Have you ever been in a dark place? You know what I'm talking about? 
How many of you have been in a dark place? You've been in a dark place? I've been in a dark place. You know, it's those places where when you're in dark places, you can be in a dark place and not let anybody know. You can smile every once in a while and be in a dark place and not let everyone know this is where you're at. But God sees where you're at, and we have a God who is able to meet you in that dark place. Glory to God. Glory to God. We have a God who is able to meet you where that doubt, where that hurt, where that pain is, where all that stuff is. Peter had doubts, but he ran to the tomb. Luke 24, verse 12 says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Another gospel says it was Peter and John. Actually, it says it in John. And yeah, yeah, it says it in John. And, and then it says John ran for, John, John got there. John got there first, right? John got there, as Jeremy knows, because Jeremy beat someone and he called him Peter. That's why I know he knows it was. <laughs> he beat someone in a race. that he said, yeah, I beat Peter. I was like... <laughs> But I think it's cool that Peter ran. Everybody else stayed behind. Everyone else said, crazy, nonsense. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Still didn't add up for him. Still didn't understand. But here's something we can learn from Peter. Here it is. Check it out. When circumstances don't make sense in your life, run to the empty tomb. Mm, isn't that good? Run to the empty tomb. You don't have to understand everything. God just wants you to seek him. God is waiting for you to seek him. And for some of you, God has allowed some things to happen in your life to show you that you're not in control. To show you that you're not as strong as you think you are. To show you that you're not as wise as you think you are. And he's trying to soften your heart. So that you could humble yourself and seek him with all of your heart. He wants you to be broken. He wants you to be broken so that you can turn to him and have a soft heart. And you walk past your pride and arrogance and stubbornness. Anybody sitting by someone who's stubborn? Maybe it's you. You're full of, you're just a stubborn person. Don't point at them in church. Don't do that. You're going to get in the car in an argument on the way home. Somebody's pointing at them. Such an honest church. Check it out. Just blink at me like really fast. If you know, then I'll know. The bridge between what happened to Jesus and what could happen to you is in the resurrection power. Jesus rose from the grave. Incredible miracle. Hard to believe, right? Incredible miracle. He was seen by over 500 people, and many other people saw him and witnessed him, and as he walked around, and, and people, rec- people saw that. It was undeniable. Undeniable. But that same power, the power of the resurrection, is now available for you and me. And I think that's the part right there where we're like, okay, I can, I can intellectually agree that, you know, yeah, I, I believe Jesus walked this earth. Christopher Columbus did too, and a lot of other, other people. And I've been in the museum, and I've seen all kinds of stuff at D.C. and wherever. I've been, you know, I can believe that. But, but I think the, the gap is, okay, so how does that event, that resurrection, how does it impact my life, like on Monday? And, and on Wednesday, I mean, how does it impact my life with the struggles that I have? How does it impact my life? And that's the bridge right there. That's the bridge. Um, Paul the Apostle said a prayer that has become my prayer. And I just want to share it with you. He said this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to know Christ. 
The most significant relationship you'll ever have on this side of heaven is your relationship with Jesus. There's no relationship, there's no person that's, that's greater than Jesus Christ. There's no one else. But when you look at this verse that, I mean, that Paul says this prayer, I want to know Christ. You know what, what it tells me also? It's possible to go through this world and not know Christ. That's what it says. It's possible to get so caught up in the busyness of this world and not experience the power of the resurrection. It's possible to just get lost in time or whatever it is and just not experience any, any of that. Paul said, I want to know Christ. And, and to know Christ, you have to see yourself through God's eyes. If you really want to know Christ, it starts with looking at yourself through God's eyes. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. And there's, that's called amazing grace. Grace is undeserved favor, unmerited favor. It's when, because of my spiritual grandparents, Adam and Eve, sin entered the world, and I was born a sinner, and I do things that I know I shouldn't do, and I enjoy them, and I find pleasure in them, and I know I shouldn't go down that road, but it's so easy to go down that road, and that that sin was just generational. And in the Old Testament, there's a lot of blood over it, Bulls and goats and lambs and sheep and doves and all these things to try to make things right. And it was God's attempt at that moment just to kind of get along, but it wasn't sticking. It wasn't sticking until God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And his, his mission was to seek and to save the lost, to save people from hell. That's the mission of Jesus. Good Friday, I, I preached just... Yes, well, you know, this last week. Good Friday is, is a message that God loves you. I mean, he went to the cross for you. It's the ultimate Valentine's card. It's his message to say, I love you. It's also a message that says something had to be done and somebody had to pay. Our own efforts was not enough. Our best efforts to be a good person was not enough. There had to be bloodshed, and it had to be a pure offering, a pure sacrifice. So look, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. God brought his own lamb, and he went to the cross, and he bled for us. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. It starts by knowing Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Glory to God. Yeah, praise the Lord. That's a strong statement, guys. God is saying, this is how you get there. This is how you get there. It's not like when you follow, you know, like Google navigation and there's like 10 ways to get to wherever you're going. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world. Great expense. And he said, if you really want to know me, it goes through my son. He's the only way. He's the only truth. And he is life. Paul wanted to know Christ. He said, I want to know Christ. Do you want to know peace? Do you want to know joy? Do you want to know hope? Do you want to to be in a better place? I'm I'm talking to the single mother out there right now. I'm talking to the, the man who is drifting right now. I'm talking to the woman who cries on her pillow. And I'm talking to that young adult who's trying to figure out 
who he wants to be. I'm talking to that couple that's together that probably shouldn't be, or that senior adult who's worried, that person who's concerned about their health. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to that man with that secret, that woman with that burden, that man with pride, to that Christian who's thinking about giving up. I'm talking to you. The resurrection has a message for you, and here, here it is. Here it is. It's not over. Turn to the person next and just tell them it's not over. Such a great word. It's not over. Don't give up. Hold on. It's not over. It's not over. The power of the resurrection says God can do anything he wants. And he can make water come out of a rock or he can breathe life into a bunch of dried up old bones. There's nothing impossible for God. And Jesus miraculously was risen from the grave. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He said that after he raised Lazarus, who was dead for four days, he told everybody, I'm the resurrection and the life. That's how I was able to raise this guy, Lazarus. He is the resurrection and the life. See, the resurrection power is spiritual. It's not human. It's not about your willpower. It's not about your, your strength, your intelligence, your IQ, your degrees, your giftings. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. See, we all have a story, don't we? Maybe life has been hard. Anybody have had a hard life? It's just been hard. You're just used to bad luck. You know what I mean? You just feel like it follows you. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you used to go to church. You got hurt by church, so you decided not to go back to church. Maybe you have some wounds from that hurt and you've been bleeding for the last five years or the last 10 years and you're still bleeding. Even right now you're in church and you're still bleeding over stuff. Maybe you've been striving and you're tired. Maybe you consider yourself an atheist. Maybe you're not sure if God exists. Maybe you haven't heard God for a long time now. Maybe you're healing from a broken relationship and you're trying to start over. Maybe Maybe you want to start over. Here's a good message for you. Your current reality does not reflect your future destiny. Amen. Praise Jesus. Where you're at right now, you're just at a pit stop. You're just traveling through. Don't get out of the car. It's all right. You're just passing through. But the devil wants you to give up. The devil doesn't want you to seek God. The devil certainly doesn't want you to seek Jesus. So don't rent out one of the rooms to the devil. Don't give him one of your bedrooms. Don't put up a little nightstand or anything like that so he's all comfortable. Don't even let him in your house. I'm going to tell you a secret. And, here, and, and here's, here's the secret. Here it is. Everybody who's watching online and everybody who's in the house right now, everybody needs the grace of God. Amen. Everybody needs, right here first, everybody needs the grace of God. All of us have fallen short. All of us knows what it feels like to doubt. All of us know what it feels like to wrestle, to fight, to go to blows, to lose, and get, all, everybody knows that. But the difference is those who get up and say, I'm not going to let that moment define who I am. And you lean on God and you say, God, I need strength from you. I need strength from you because my own strength is not enough. When you say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, give me power. 
That's that resurrection power that he's faithful to give. Your job is to walk by faith and be obedient. Check it out. When you turn to Jesus, your story becomes his story. Your old stories become stories of his grace and love. His story becomes part of your history. That's what happens. So those things, that stuff that happen, and those scars and those wounds. God has a way of healing and rebuilding and renewing and restrengthening. He just has a way of doing that. I remember when I got worn out, I was ready. I just, the church had grown in those days. I mean, really significant. And we were, we were those days we were at 600, 800, 1,000 at times, and I was just worn out. And um, have you ever been somewhere where you feel like you're there, but you have like a, a dried up spirit, a broken spirit? You know what I'm talking about? That's where I was at. And I remember I was traveling. We went, we put 7,200 miles on, on my car. And uh, we, we went to, uh, um, oh, this was Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We were in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I remember the pastor there, after the service, they had a new ministry and it was involving rapping. And they were like break dancing. And I, I, I don't, anybody know how to break dance? That was way back in the day. But I didn't know how to break dance. And I just remember the pastor was dancing. And I remember looking at him thinking, I have not danced in a long time. I mean, I grew up on Michael. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what you know I'm talking about. I grew up on Michael. I got the moonwalk down and all that. I mean, I grew up on, but I haven't danced in a long time. And I haven't danced in a long time because there wasn't joy inside of me anymore. Psalm chapter 40 says, he wants to put a new song in your mouth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He wants to put a new song in your mouth. And when you, get, when you get to know God's love and his grace and his mercy, and he fills you with a new song, you start singing and you don't care if you can't sing. You know what I'm talking about? You don't care. You don't care what other people think. When was the last time you went to church and you worshiped God and you didn't care what anyone else thought about you? When was the last time? Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Isn't that good? Um, there's a, he says this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. This is the resurrection power. The Lord showed me this this week, guys. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. You see, strength comes from God, not from yourself. With power through his spirit in your inner being. We're getting all theological right now, guys. So that, say so that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It touches your inner being. Isn't that good? Your inner being. That's where your strength comes from, your inner being. Guys, we've just been doing church for, I mean, since like last Saturday night, we did three and then five, eight. We've been, we're doing like 11 services in nine straight days. And we're running on spiritual adrenaline right now. We're just running. How many of you have been here every single service? You know what I'm talking about? Every, God bless you guys. Texas Roadhouse for all of you out there with service. <laughs> no, but God gives you strength in the inner being. And then check it out. Paul says this. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. Wow. 
Wow. The Lord just stopped me there. This doesn't work unless you're rooted and established in love. What love are we talking about? What love? Here it is. May have power together with all the Lord's holy, holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Wow. That's rooted and established in the love of Jesus. And to know this love, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow. That's a strong verse right there. You know, our problem, guys, some of us, we just, we just haven't experienced that kind of love. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You had a mom walk out. You had a dad walk out. You've been in an abusive situation, and whatever it is, we all have a story. And, and for some of us, we, might, we just don't know that kind of love. I'm still on this spiritual journey where I'm discovering the love of God. And you know what I'm discovering, guys? There's no bottom to it. His love is unfailing love, hest love. His love is so good. And so many things that we do in our life, we do it because we want love. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. That's why it hurts so much when that friend group kicks you out. That's why it hurts so much when you go through a breakup. That's why it hurts so much when that father says things or that spouse says things or that wife, whatever it is. That's why it hurts so much because we have a deep desire to know love. And Paul the Apostle says, look, check this out. The Holy Spirit will give you this inner strength. And he can do this. But here's your part. You've got to be rooted and established in the love of Jesus. This moved me so much, guys. Next week, I changed the message. Uh, the staff doesn't even know this except Kaylee. We're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm changing the whole message. We're, I wanna, the Lord has just put this on my heart. I want to talk next week, what does it mean to be rooted and established in the love of Jesus? That's what I want to talk about next week. So if, if, you, if you've been hurt, if you need to forgive someone, or you're the one who's hurt someone else, and you need to be forgiven, or maybe you need to forgive yourself, don't miss next week, guys. Don't miss next week. It's going to be lit. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> the other part of Paul's prayer, he says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And that's the part where we're like, that doesn't sound cool. I want to suffer. What do you do when you suffer? What do you do when you, things don't go your way? What do you do when you're not happy with something? What do you do when you feel like, whatever, you're, you, you have pain? What do you do? Some of you, you just walk away. You just say, I'm going to leave. And you walk away. The church hurts you, so you leave. The relationship hurts you, so you leave. The other side of this is this, of this resurrected life is a hard life. It's someone who's gone through trouble and hardships. It's someone who knows pain and hurt. It's someone who had to work through tough times. 
See, there's a few people in this room, and there's a few people that are watching online right now that know what I'm talking about. You've experienced the power of the resurrection. You know what it's like to be delivered. You know what it's like to fail. You know what it's like to need peace. You know what it's like to kick yourself. You know what it's like to humble yourself. You know what it's like for God to provide for you. Let me say it like this. Let me say it like this. This is, your, this is what you would say. You may see the glory, but you don't know the story. <laughs> You know, I think the problem um, people have, um, I think the problem some of us have is we might look at a life and see where they're at. But the truth is, you don't know how far they've come because of God. And we just make these assumptions that, oh, they've never struggled. They've never had a hard time. Oh, they lived in a better house. They had better parents. They had better luck. They had better, whatever it is. We just make these assumptions about these, these things. But, but, but here's what you need to know. If you've been resurrected by Jesus, can you just set the record straight? I'm talking to all of you who've been resurrected and you've been through the fire and you're on the other side. Can you show everyone just with your hands, would you put your hands together and let them know how far God has brought you and why you are the way you are? You know what I'm talking about? I think about the woman at the well. I think about her. And this is a woman, remarkable woman, who has a history. And it's in the Bible. Could you imagine your history in the Bible? I mean, you don't want all of your dirt all of your dirty clothes in the Bible. And, and there's a little glimpse about how many men she's been with and all this stuff. And scripture says that Jesus had to go to Samaria. I mean, this is the love of Jesus. And he shows up, and all the other disciples go a different direction, but Jesus is on a mission. And it wasn't coincidental that he shows up, and she shows up to get some water. She just wants some water. And he says, hey, will you give me a water? And she says, who do you think you are? You're a Jew, and you're alone, and you're a man, you're on the wrong side of the tracks. You shouldn't be talking to me. And Jesus said, how about, how, about, how about you? Do you want some living water? And what I've learned, guys, is God is so intentional. He will put you in places like church or maybe someone, someone's house or whatever. He will put you in places where you can hear the message of God's of God's love. You never know. And God will meet you in the most unexpected way. So growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian household. I grew up in a household where I was raised to believe in what I wanted to believe in and do what I wanted to believe in. A few years ago, I, um, I was in the mountains um, with a friend and we were going ice fishing. And we were in a very isolated area in the mountains. and. The car slipped on ice and it rolled over the hill into the river upside down. And I remember I felt like I was floating. I felt like I like I kind of reached something that I've never reached before in a way. And when we were in that car upside down, the water was at low tide, so luckily we were able to get out. But when we immediately got out, this lady drove around the corner who was working in the mountains and she took us to the gas station for 
and waited for three hours with us until our family came. And I, that's when I knew that there was something more because I have never, um, I didn't get hurt. I wasn't injured or anything. It was just kind of one of those things where I felt like there was angels watching over me. Um, when I started working at Starbucks, I met this girl and she was Christian and I've never heard this before, but she asked me if I wanted to go to church with her. And at first I was excited about it, but I also was hesitant because it was something different that I didn't really know. I remember texting my neighbor before I went to church with that friend. and so. I remember her asking me if I wanted to meet with her on a Friday and I, re I remember postponing that a lot and then suddenly I went and that's when my life changed completely. She told me that I could go with her family and, and I never had that because my family didn't grow up Christian and so I never had anyone to um, go to church with me and so I would have had to want, go alone or go with my friend decided to go to church with them and my life has changed ever since because I've met the most wonderful people in my life and and now I consider them family, I consider them my friends and I consider my neighbors my second family in a way. That's when I accepted Jesus as my savior and that's when like I want I want to get baptized because it is my decision now. I since I didn't grow up that way, like this is my full decision, and I am fully in. <sighs> Beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, um, so her neighbor is someone who comes to Thorn Creek Church. And, and this woman, uh, Carrie, spent time with Haley at her front porch like every week. Talk about taking time. Sometimes we feel like we're too busy. But boy, if you stop, and if you listen to God, and you say, God, what is your will? God will reveal to you his, his will. And I love the way uh, God got a hold of, of Haley, because uh, she went through this accident. Her car flipped over. She's craziness in the water and all that stuff. But she realizes she came out, and she was, like, still breathing. And she realized there is a supreme being there is something bigger than what I can see and I should not be alive and she became aware spiritually aware of the possibility of the possibility that maybe maybe God is real and maybe God has a plan I want to give you a new perspective of Jesus it's in Revelation chapter 1 it's John's revelation John says, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. Isn't that cool? His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like a mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand. 
and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face, his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. And the grave. And the grave. And the grave. turn to Jesus? You ready to do that? You ready to start a new life with God? I want to pray with you. Don't let this be the last time you're in church. Come next week and see what God wants to do in your heart. Come next week. Let me say a prayer for you. If you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, say this. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my sins. Right now, I want to become a Christian. I want to do that. Thank you for your grace. Teach me to walk by faith and help me to not, I, I, want, to, I want to do this every day, so I need you to help me, Lord Jesus. Help me to become spiritually strong. Help me. Others of you maybe need to say this prayer. I want to know the power of your resurrection, Lord. I've learned a lot about the Bible and I know a lot of stuff already, but I want you to invade places in my heart and in my mind that have off limits on the door. <laughs> and I want you to go behind each door and I want you to transform me. I want you to breathe life, breathe life, God. I need you to resurrect my hope. I need you to resurrect joy. I need you to resurrect peace. I need you to resurrect your will for my life. I need you to resurrect laughter. I need you to do, I need you to breathe life into me. So thank you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. It's in the risen one's name, Jesus Christ, that we pray all this. Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for his word? Thank you, Jesus, for his word. Woo! Praise the Lord.